Hello, this is Adam Roy with the Veteran Affairs Office of Inspector General. You're listening to Inside Oversight, our podcast that dives into our published works and features interviews and discussions with the OIG employees who do the work. Today, I am speaking with Jeff Ferguson and Chris Soto about two related reports that the VA OIG published in December 2021. Jeff is a senior auditor, and he led a team that prepared the report titled VHA Improperly Paid and Reauthorized Non-VA Acupuncture and Chiropractic Services. Chris is also a senior auditor, and her team wrote the report VHA Risks Overpaying Community Care Providers for Evaluation and Management Services. In the first report, the OIG audited acupuncture and chiropractic care by non-VA providers after becoming aware of patterns that that suggested questionable billing practices by those providers. In the second report, the VA OIG conducted a review to identify and evaluate the VHA's risk of improperly paying community care providers for evaluation and management services not supported by medical documentation. So how are these two reports connected? Whereas the first report looked at the specifics of acupuncture and chiropractic care and the risks there, the second report builds upon all management and evaluation services and looks at the program from a higher level. Jeff, Chris, it's good to have you both here today, and I thank you for joining the program. Thank you, Adam, for having us on the podcast. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. Great. Thanks. Uh, Jeff, could you start by explaining how these two reports are related? Both projects dealt with reimbursing third-party administrators for care delivered by non-VA providers in the community. For the acupuncture and chiropractic audit, we evaluated whether the payments were authorized and supported by appropriate medical documentation. And for the evaluation and management services review, we assessed the risks that there were overpayments for those services. Okay, so we're talking about care away from a VA facility, an outcome of the CHOICE Act, correct? That's right. Uh, The Veterans Access Choice and Accountability Act of 2014, or as we call it, the Choice Act, increased veterans access to private local providers of medical services. That includes acupuncture and chiropractic care, which the VA has promoted for pain management. Now, since 2017, VHA payments to all community providers has increased by 350% for evaluation and management services. Which So evaluation management services are essentially when a physician is diagnosing a patient through medical history or evaluation, which then can be billed for almost every specialty. Okay, so in this instance, why do we specifically audit non-VA acupuncture and chiropractic care? Well, we receive regular briefings from our data scientists on various areas of interest. Um, One such briefing indicated that acupuncture and chiropractic care in the community should be examined due to several identified issues. Also, our investigative division was looking into healthcare fraud, and they identified programmatic risks associated with acupuncture that led us to take a closer look and eventually initiate this audit. Um, We looked at whether the acupuncture and chiropractic care that was paid for was authorized, meaning did VA approve it before it was actually provided. We also looked at whether the care was supported by medical documentation. We found problems across both areas of focus. However, the lack of supporting medical documentation was much more pervasive and had a higher dollar impact. Okay, so to summarize, it sounds like VA generally approved or authorized care prior to payment. 
but the lack of documentation to support why that care was approved was prevalent in your findings. Is that accurate? That's exactly right. And what made this review challenging was the process we went through to identify this specific issue. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, explain how your team evaluated the medical documentation. Well, it's complicated. Um, we actually had to bring in some help. We contracted with a medical coding specialist who evaluated the medical documentation to determine whether it followed American Medical Association and Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services guidelines as required. So a contract, that's going to add some complexity to the audit, correct? Absolutely. We had to go through the entire acquisition process like any government agency would do, from developing a request for proposal and a statement of work, then we evaluated the bids, the contractor qualifications, and once we selected a contractor, we had to ensure that the contractor, VHA staff, and our office were all on the same page when it came to the evaluation criteria, what would constitute an error or deficiency in what they were evaluating, and all of the other related administrative matters with a contract. Gotcha. Okay, so we obtained the contract. Now the team begins the documentation review process. Big picture, what did that look like? Well, we had to get the documentation. Uh, so first we looked at the patient records to find the relevant medical documentation for all these claims. If we couldn't find any documentation in the patient records, we looked through third-party administrator portals. Uh, these portals are online and they're managed by VA contractors to help coordinate care in the community between the VA and those community providers. These portals are secure and they provide a way for community providers and VA staff to upload and review information. So once we got all the documentation and specifically the doctor's notes for these visits on these claims and all the other related materials, we had our contracted medical coding specialists review it. The specialists determined whether the medical documentation was complete, whether it was accurate, um, and whether it supported VHA's payment for this care. When we couldn't find any documentation in a patient's record or in the admin portal, we asked VHA to help us obtain it from the community providers, but that didn't always work out. Understandable. So how so? How didn't it work out? Well, despite all these efforts that we made, we were not able to get medical documentation for about 19% of the codes on the acupuncture claims reviewed and about 14% of the codes on the chiropractic claims reviewed. Let's, uh, let's break down those numbers a little bit more. Talk the sample size and what exactly does that 19 and 14% represent? Sure. So... Our sample size, or the total number of claims we reviewed, was 360. We looked at 180 acupuncture claims, and we looked at 180 chiropractic claims. So for the 180 acupuncture claims, 19% of them, or almost one in every five codes, were missing the appropriate supporting documentation. And for the chiropractic claims, about one in every seven was missing this documentation. Okay, so that's a lot of missing documentation. And when you project these findings across the total number of claims from October 2017 to September 2019, we're talking about significant issues related to medical documentation. Definitely. Considering that within that time frame um, that we reviewed, there were over 600,000 acupuncture claims and over 800,000 chiropractic claims. 
So these results influence their recommendations that the Office of Community Care ensure VA facilities are verifying that non-VA providers are supporting their claims. Okay, so we've discussed missing medical we've discussed missing medical documentation. What about claims with documentation? The report highlighted issues here as well. It sure did. Um, as it relates to whether the medical documentation supported the payments, we found that most of it didn't, accounting for about $130 million in improper payments for fiscal years 2018 and 2019. And as we previously discussed, some of these payments were improper because we could not obtain the documentation, and therefore we just said it was not supported. Our specialists reviewed all of the documentation we did find, and they found a varying degree of documentation deficiencies. An example of this would be a provider may not have documented the time that an acupuncture procedure took, which is required by AMA and CMS, and, or they may not have documented that more than one set of needles were inserted or a claim could have both of these problems. And for chiropractic providers, a common issue was the community practitioners did not identify which region of the spine was treated. They just said that a procedure was conducted. Um, and as my colleague Grizz will discuss shortly, we found that the overwhelming majority of evaluation and management services were not supported on either acupuncture or chiropractic claims. That's very interesting. So how did VHA react to these findings? And uh, did they know that the medical documentation did not sufficiently support the community acupuncture and chiropractic services? Well, the team presented the results of the review to VHA, and they concurred. Uh, we made the analysis available to them, to the VHA representatives that we met with, and had a follow-up meeting to answer any questions that they might have. And as to whether or not VHA knew, the short answer is no. VA is required to ask community providers for documentation for any care given to veterans, but sometimes these veterans just don't supply the documentation. And while facilities are required to audit this documentation, these audits weren't being conducted. So they weren't aware of the shortcomings of the medical they weren't aware of the shortcomings the medical coding specialists assisted us in finding. Okay, so was there anything VHA did not agree with as it pertains to the medical documentation evaluation piece of this audit? VHA generally agreed with all of our findings and recommendations, uh, except for one comment that kept cropping up. Specifically, the OIG interpreted that VHA's Health Information Management and Health Records Handbook also applied to community or non-VA providers based on the language within that handbook. VHA disagreed with our interpretation. They said that documentation standards in the handbook were only applicable to VA providers. But considering that medical documentation requirements weren't different and that both VA and non-VA providers are required to use the American Medical Association standards, which also happens to be the standard for the entire healthcare industry, the difference in interpretation didn't affect the outcome of the findings or the recommendations. Gotcha. So to recap, we talked about missing or poor medical documentation that led to unsupported care. Now let's transition and talk about how unauthorized claims contributed to improper payments by VHA. Sure. So under the Choice and Mission Acts, any community care has to be authorized by VA before any such care can be provided by an outside provider. There was a special rule for veterans who were eligible for care because they were a certain distance away from VA medical centers, 
And for these veterans, third-party administrators could authorize their non-VA care after VHA confirmed their eligibility, i.e. after VHA verified that these veterans lived a certain distance away from medical facilities, then these third-party administrators could go ahead and authorize the care without further VA involvement. This will help reduce travel time for these veterans. And for patients that were not mileage eligible, i.e. weren't that far away, but received non-VA care, the authorizing documentation would be in the patient record. Okay, so how did your team approach the evaluation of claims to determine whether authorization was given or not? So generally, acupuncture and chiropractic care is authorized for a series of visits similar to someone whose insurance covers, say, 10 visits a year to a chiropractor. And after that, the individual is responsible for the care. So after a veteran completes his or her series of visits, the VA needs to determine whether additional care is appropriate. VHA sets how many visits a patient can have and what procedures a provider is allowed to bill for in these guidelines. And they're called standard episodes of care or SEOCs for short. Both the acupuncture and chiropractic initial SEOCs or the, the SEOC that governs the first instance a veteran is prescribed either acupuncture or chiropractic care. Um, these SCOCs allowed for 12 visits for most of the period under our review. So the VA, the VA facility would use the SCOCs to determine how much care was authorized. And most of the time, we found that these we found these authorizations in the patient records. However, if a patient was authorized 12 visits and one of the sampled claims indicated it was the patient's 17th visit, then we considered that sample unauthorized because the number of visits exceeded what they were supposed to receive. We also evaluated whether the procedures that the community acupuncturists and chiropractors billed for were allowed on the SEOCs. So these SEOCs also limited the procedures that these community, community providers were allowed to do. So an example of this would be the acupuncture SEOC only allowed for needles to be reinserted once for a total of two sets of needles per visit. But we found cases where the community acupuncturists billed for three sets or more, which is in violation of what VA would allow. Those are really, really good examples. Thanks, Jeff. Um, when, you, when we start to look at the bigger picture, how much money are we talking here? So for fiscal years 2018 and 2019, improper payments for unauthorized acupuncture and chiropractic care accounted for more than $20 million. But as we mentioned before, we had other improper payments that were made earlier, and we wanted to make sure that we weren't double counting the same errors to come up with a bigger number. And so we had to separate out those figures. So when we take into account those claims to make sure they weren't double counted, our total for improper payments for fiscal year 2018 and 2019 for unsupported and unauthorized acupuncture and chiropractic care was about $137 million. And we forecasted those payments through fiscal year 2022 for a total estimate of almost $342 million in improper payments. Wow. What factors allow uh, this to happen? You know, um, we talked about, you know, talk about VA's reimbursement system and how those improper payments were processed. Okay, so VA's Office of Community Care had a service level agreement with the Financial Services Center, and the Financial Services Center provides common administrative services to VA and other government clients. 
this service level agreement allowed the Financial Services Center to reimburse the third-party administrators that we mentioned before on VA's behalf. When the payment system was initially set up, it was set up to pay any claim that was made from one year of the authorization, and, and this creates a problem in and of itself. Plus, we found a lack of automated controls within the payment system itself to check whether procedures being charged were allowable according to the SEOCs. So this means that if the VA authorized 12 visits to your community chiropractor, the chiropractor could, in theory, bill the third-party administrator for the next year for as many visits as they wanted, and VA would just automatically reimburse all those visits. In addition, chiropractors that were seeing patients could bill for acupuncture services or other unallowable treatments, and those would also be repaid because the system didn't check any of those things. Okay, so before your team looked into this, did the Office of Community Care review the agreement and reimbursement system? Well, we determined that the Office of Community Care does, in fact, complete internal audits, but they did not do an audit focused on whether the number of visits and treatments exceeded authorizations or SCOCs. Okay, so ultimately, what recommendations did your team make to address these uh, improper payments? So for the unauthorized payments, we recommended that VHA implement automated system payment controls and focus internal audits on whether payments were appropriately authorized. For the payments that were not supported by medical documentation, we recommended that VHA conduct post-payment audits and develop a process to then use the results of those audits. We also recommended education for non-VA providers. Thank you. All right, so let's transition to the report's second finding, specifically that VHA staff did not follow guidance when reauthorizing non-VA acupuncture and chiropractic care. Let's break this down a little bit more for the listener. Uh, what are we talking about here? So we looked at providers who were billing much more frequently than their peers, which might be an indicator of fraud. And while we didn't find any fraud, we did notice that VA's process for reauthorizing community care was inconsistently applied. The Office of Community Care establishes guidelines for reauthorizing care in its field guidebook. These guidelines require approving officials at the facilities to document an evaluation of prior community care. Our analysis indicated that VHA did not follow their process for about 35% of the samples we reviewed. So what I'm hearing is the guidebook wasn't being followed. That's exactly right. We found that the Office of Community Care had no mechanism to ensure staff followed the guidebook. And in some cases, the audit team found that veterans directly requested care through the VA, and the guidebook wasn't clear on how the VA was supposed to handle these types of requests. So VHA staff responsible for national oversight of care coordination said the guidebook was not applicable in these circumstances because local community care staff did not make the determination to authorize more care. And this resulted in approvers not documenting an evaluation of prior non-VA care. And in the end, facility leaders weren't ensuring staff followed the guidebook's processes and procedures. So ultimately, this finding that your team was able to extract from your work uh, led to two recommendations. Exactly. We recommended the Undersecretary for Health direct facility chiefs of staff to one require VA doctors to document the review and the patient record before reauthorizing any further care, and to two, require VA doctors to document their clinical justification for this additional care. 
That second recommendation relates to cases where VHA could not obtain the documentation from the community providers, but the veteran was seeking additional care anyway. Jeff, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Let's turn our attention now to the second report titled VHA Risks Overpaying Community Care Providers for Evaluation and Management Services. We've got Chris here before um, uh, joining with us. Chris, before we get into this report, can you explain what evaluation and management services are to our listeners? Sure, Adam. I think a little background first will help. Due to legislation like the VA Mission Act of 2018, veterans are increasingly obtaining medical care from community providers. We conducted this review to identify and evaluate VHA's risk of improperly paying community care providers for evaluation and management services not supported by medical documentation. Okay, so more and more veterans are going out into the community for care, including for evaluation and management services. Exactly. Providers for many types of services offered in the community, not just acupuncture and chiropractic care, deliver evaluation and management services to support their specialty. Generally, evaluation and management services mean the providers evaluates a patient history or examines the patient. These services are organized under five levels. Level one services are for medical encounters that contain the least complex patient visit documentation requirements. For example, a provider may use level one for evaluating a minor illness, like a cold. Each subsequent level requires more complexity, meaning that a level five evaluation could involve a chronic illness, such as progressive severe rheumatoid arthritis. Evaluations like these are often complex and require a lot of documentation. Okay, and to quote the report, documentation must satisfy all requirements for the build codes. So, Gris, each level in its codes have unique requirements a provider must meet when documenting services. That's right. Providers must adhere to those requirements when documenting, and some of these requirements have recently changed. In January 2021, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services changed the standards for evaluating and evaluation and management services for the first time since 1997. For many health care practitioners working with veterans, this is the first change to how evaluation and management services are documented they have seen in their careers. So why make this change? The goal of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services was to reduce the amount of time it takes providers to document for these services. Some revisions include allowing code selection based on modified criteria for medical decision-making or time, and eliminating the lowest level code for the evaluation and management of a new patient. Um, VHA's subject matter expert told us that these updates might make it harder to determine whether medical documentation supported a build evaluation and management charge. Did these changes factor into the report's recommendations? Uh, specifically, did VHA make current and future education materials available to non-VA providers? It certainly did. Our other recommendations direct a VA to audit medical documentation with evaluation and management services, similar to what we recommended in the acupuncture and chiropractic report. 
Uh, let's hit rewind a little bit here. So let's go back. Tell me, how did your team take the information from the acupuncture and chiropractic audit and then launch this review of the risks associated with evaluation and management services for all types of services? As Jeff said, the coding specialist who assisted his audit team noted that the overwhelming majority of evaluation and management services were not supported on either the acupuncture or chiropractic claims. Specifically, the audit team statistically projected that about 97% of evaluation and management services on acupuncture claims were not supported. And this projected figure was about 78% of chi for chiropractic claims. Because those error rates were so high, we thought it made sense to look at the whole population of evaluation and management services and not just those attached to acupuncture and chiropractic claims. Uh, help the listener understand just how big the population was. Uh, what did your team evaluate? We focused on fiscal year 2020's evaluation and management services. During that time, VA paid community care providers just over $300 million for these services. In addition to the size, there's also the growth and these services that we considered when launching this review. Namely, from fiscal year 2017 to 2020, the amount VA paid community providers for evaluation and management services increased by about 350% from $67.5 million in 2017. Okay, so did your team also contract for coding specialists to review those claims? No. Our review was more analytical and data-driven in nature. Our objective was to assess the risk of billing for evaluation and management services for all specialties. Therefore, we did not test claims, rather we evaluated trends in the evaluation and management population. We thought it was more important to get this project to VA's management as quick as possible after the audit, and that is why these reports go together nicely. The acupuncture and chiropractic audit introduced the idea that medical documentation may not be up to snuff. And this follow-on review emphasized that it was not just those services that have risk. As Jeff's team also did for the audit, we evaluated the risk within the evaluation and management services population. Can you share those risks with us? Sure, Adam. The previous audit highlighted that these services were risky in, in general, but we found that some evaluation and management services carried more risk than others. First, we identified community care providers who were billing the higher level evaluation and management services significantly more often than other community care providers who deliver the same type of care. Second, we identified providers who were billing for evaluation and management services while the global surgery was in effect, when all the services are typically covered under one billing. Global surgery, that's a new one for me. I want to ask you about that in a minute, but let's first, let's expand on the first issue. Where non-VA providers were billing high-level evaluation and management services significantly more often than their peers. Can you talk about that? Sure. Going back to those five levels of evaluation and management services, in addition to each level being more complex than the previous, each level is also more expensive than the previous. We consider level four and level five to be high-level evaluation and management services because of their cost to VA. 
we were able to identify a population of community providers who were billing these services significantly more often. And by significant, uh, the well, the technical definition is that the providers in question build high-level evaluation and management services proportionally more than one standard deviation above the mean for all non-VA providers in their specialty. But simply stated, difference was statistically significant. Let me give you an example. Our report describes a dermatologist who has paid for level four and level five evaluation and management services for more than 90% of the time when the provider submitted claims for evaluation and management services. This dermatologist was paid over $100,000 for these high-level services. Okay, so that's just one dermatologist. Within the population, how many other uh, how many other providers were similar? Well, we determined that almost 38,000 out of 218,000 community care providers build high-level services significantly more often than their peers. In total, they were paid about 39 million. Okay, so we're talking about a lot of money. Now let's go back and expand on the uh, the second issue, the, the one related to the global surgery package. Sure. The global surgical package includes all the necessary services normally furnished before, during, and after a procedure. Further, physicians in the same group practice who are in the same specialty must bill and be paid as though they were a single physician. Because all the services are supposed to be covered under one bill, evaluation and management services that are billed separately carry more risk. How many providers did your team identify that billed while the global surgery package was in effect? Our analysis identified that more than 45,000 non-VA providers were paid almost $38 million more than the costs that are generally included in the services provided within periods when the global surgery package was in effect during fiscal year 2020. Does that mean all those payments were inappropriate? inappropriate? Not necessarily, and I'm quoting the report here. Although a provider can bill an evaluation and management treatment code during the global surgery period if it's a separate and identifiable service, for example, charged by an orthopedist for a shoulder problem the patient experiences after hip surgery, there's a higher risk that these charges are improper. So yes, while there could be reasonable explanations for the billing patterns related to those payments, we do believe that they warrant a closer look by VHA. That makes sense. Thanks, Chris. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up today? Yes. I'd like to mention the question costs our report identified. We estimated almost 20 million in question costs for fiscal year 2020 and forecasted 60 million dollars in question costs through fiscal year 2022. Combined the two reports we discussed today, question an estimated 400 million dollars of non-VA community care payments, which is very impactful and noteworthy. I couldn't agree more. Chris, Jeff, Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your insight on these two reports. It was a pleasure to be here. Hope to see you again. Pleasure to be here. All right, listeners, if you want to read summaries of the reports we just talked about or download them, please visit our website and search under the reports tab. 
Thanks for tuning in. This has been an official Companion Podcast of the VA Office of Inspector General. Companion Podcasts are produced by the Office of Communications and Public Affairs and are available at va.gov forward slash OIG. Please subscribe and tune in monthly to hear how our work is helping to improve the lives of veterans. Visit the website to learn more about how the VA OIG serves veterans by conducting meaningful, independent oversight. Report potential crimes related to VA, waste or mismanagement, potential violations of laws, rules, or regulations, or risks to patients, employees, or property to the OIG online, or call the hotline at 1-800-488-8244. If you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1 and speak with a qualified responder now.